Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Due to the coronavirus pandemic, we are continuing to record this podcast remotely for the safety of our guests and our team. So, on with the show. Hello and welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions, usually washed down by three glasses of wine. But wine's off the table this week, sadly, because my guest is only just getting up at our home in Los Angeles and she's teetotal. But trust me, everything else is well and truly on the table because this is a woman who is celebrated and loved for her candor, her inclusivity and no-holds-barred approach to life. Adopted by her parents as a three-month-old baby, she was raised in New Jersey before moving to New York to attend drama school. And in New York, she found her place and her people. She joined a band, Seduction. They were big on the dance charts. And she also became synonymous with New York's late 80s and early 90s club scene. In fact, she was a prolific voguer, which is where she met the world's most celebrated drag queen, RuPaul, who's been by her side as a friend and a colleague ever since. Stateside, she's been a radio DJ for more than 20 years now, alongside raising two teenage daughters, Lily and Lola, with her husband of 22 years, David Case. But what we know her for and love her for best, as well as her stints on Strictly and in the Celebrity Big Brother house, is her role as a judge on Drag Race, where she just shines. And good news, people, we need something to keep us going through this lockdown, and Drag Race is back with a brand new series. I cannot wait to talk to her. Let's dial up Michelle Visage. Good morning, darling. Oh, don't you look fresh-faced and dewy on this fine, fine day? Sure. How's life in LA? 
I, it's a bit crazy here. You know, I, I'm lucky enough to live outside of LA and not lucky enough. I moved out here because the public school systems were better for my daughters. And we mm-hmm. stayed out here because it's remote enough to not be in the insanity, but it's close enough to be in the insanity. And by that, I mean like Hollywood and the craziness. So um, it's pretty calm out where I live. But once you go into Hollywood, it's like you're entering, you know, the zone. How has lockdown been for you? Because I know you managed to um, bring the work to you rather than you go to work. (laughs) Well, I had that. And then I was able to go to work. And just like you said, it's when you're lucky enough to have work, you want to take it as seriously as everybody else, because so many of us, and me included, you know, went months without a paycheck. At least your government supplemented. Ours didn't. So we got to a point where, what are we going to do? So we turned online and did things online and did what we have to do to pay our rent or our bills. So Anytime that I did go to set, everybody took it so strictly and so seriously, and everybody listened. You couldn't Mm. go on set without not only a mask, but a mask and a shield. Um, Filming Drag Race got tested three to four times a week. Um, My nose hates me, but everybody was strict. It was freezing, but to be fair, it's always freezing on Drag Race set because the queens are in padding, they're in hair, they're in makeup, and they'll melt if it gets warm. So it's always cold anyway, so I dress accordingly but uh yeah you turn to home and do stuff from home well you did the bbc3 show here which was great because we got to meet david and your daughter (laughs) and her boyfriend that had just moved in and you can't you know david david you could see was brilliant technically he had all the cameras sorted the lighting how was it because i had friends here that did a drama in lockdown with their real life families and their families had to do the kind of crew and a little bit of on screen as well and you know, it tested relationships at times. <laughs> I've been saying from the beginning, married couples or couples that are together are not meant to spend this much time together. It's just not, it's just, I don't want to use the word normal because that's, it's just not, you know, run of the mill. Like we, we usually have, even if we go to the grocery store or we go, you know, meet a friend for coffee, we go out and have some time alone. And when you're together this much, This is why divorce rates are up. This is why a bunch of other dark stuff is up because you need time to reflect. You need time to be alone. And now the only time to be alone is in the loo. And that's not really, that's not really me time. So I'm lucky enough that my husband does know the technical stuff. So I can say, you go take care of this. I'm going to go take care of that. And we could separate for a while. Um, It was really fun to be able to do How's Your Head, Hun? um, Because I felt like when I was flying home from the UK from the first lockdown, I thought, we're going to be doing what everybody else is doing. Let's just throw some cameras up here and show how ridiculous we are. And that's what we did. So people got to see my filthy <laughs> house. The fact that I'm not tidy. I'm not Stacey Solomon or Mrs. Hinch. And <laughs> there was something quite soothing about seeing you on camera with sort of a pile of laundry unattended to behind you. <laughs> it, it made me feel good about me. And oh, I yeah, that I'm a slob. Thanks, Kate. <laughs> no, it just took the pressure off because it felt like everyone was learning Mandarin and baking banana bread and sourdoughing and just basically improving themselves. And and for me, for a large part of the day, I was just trying to get through it. <laughs> Do you know what? All I did, I started taking Italian and Spanish class. That's the one thing I did for myself. And I dropped the Italian because I really need a teacher for that. Some Spanish I had a basis of growing up in New York. So I'm still carrying on with that. But apart from everything else, all I did 
was eight. I ate through the entire <laughs> lockdown. I, well, what was your lockdown um, kind of, you know, f- cupboard of dreams? What was in the lockdown cupboard of dreams? Anything. Anything. <laughs> it wasn't like things that I haven't eaten in a long time. I was eating like dairy again, which I don't eat. Haven't been vegan for four years. Like I was doing wow. naughty, naughty things and my body did not respond well. So I was one of those people who not only put on, but made myself really sick from it. So I learned a lesson. So I wasn't baking healthy. I wasn't doing anything good. I was being very naughty and very bad. Yeah. You have to get through it, how you get through it. I'm not shaming myself, but it was a reality. And I don't think anybody should be ashamed of how they had to deal with this because you want to talk about the unknown. This for our generation, both young and old is unknown. This hasn't happened since 1918 and the whole world is in this. So you just got to be kind to yourself. You dealt, you dealt with it the, the best way you know how. And now we've been through the worst of it, let's hope, God willing. And we're on to the next phase. So we can pull ourselves out. We can start to get healthy and take our vaccine. Absolutely. Getting back to something that feels like life as we once knew it. Now, um, normally on this podcast, um, we would be together face to face. Obviously not going to happen. Oceans apart, quite literally today, Michelle. Yes. Uh, We would drink wine, but I know you're not a drinker, are you? I am not, but I do have my water. And I have too, a water. Also, it is breakfast time there. And as crazy as lockdown's been, breakfast wine, I'm trying to make not a feature of my day, let alone yours. (laughs) I don't drink. I never drank. Um, I just don't like it. Isn't that weird? My husband loves it. I'm just not a drinker. I never was. I never will be. Yeah, he loves it. It was weird. I never really had an appetite for drink at all until Mm -hmm. I became a mother. (laughs) I relate to that. You know, there were many moments I had girlfriends and the first day of school, we'd get together when I lived back in New Jersey in New York and we'd get together and they'd be right on to the hard lemonade and the hard cider and I would crack (laughs) up. And then when my kids got older, I understood why they were doing that. And I did (laughs) contemplate would this be a good time to drink right now? Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly I found myself from going, no, it's all right. I'll drive. Don't worry. Oh, I'm not really drinking, but thanks anyway. You know, and listen, I was never the party pooper. And then when I had a baby, it was like what I called the witching hour. Just as you're running oh. the bath, you're clearing up, you know, bits of fromage fray off the wall, your eyelashes, all that stuff. I just thought, I really, shit, I need a glass of wine. My witching hour story with Lily, my firstborn, um, I didn't have a mom. She wasn't with us when my baby was born. So I didn't really have anybody to rely on. And I was the first of the friends that had the baby. And I want to say around 11 months, 12 months, maybe Mm -hmm. up up until she was like 14, 15 months. Uh, Just like you were saying, it's that time where you want to get ready to start to cook dinner. And she would go in to full meltdown nothing could calm her. So we had to literally, I'm not exaggerating, pad the entire room like an asylum. (laughs) So everything was padded. She would throw herself all over on the ground, screaming, nothing you could do. We'd try everything. We'd try the standing in the bathroom with the shower running. We'd try putting her on top of the the tumble dryer, whatever. Nothing stopped her. And then one day I went to, took her to the doctor because I thought, what if this is something going on emotionally and I don't understand. And the doctor said, um, what do you do when she does that? And I said, well, we're trying to calm her. She said, put the baby gate up. The room is padded. Walk away, walk away. Don't be an audience. So the first time we did, we went around the corner. We just stood around the corner, obviously. And she was like, <laughs> and then she went, 
and nobody was there to watch her. And she stopped because she didn't have an audience. It took wow. her six months to learn that. <laughs> and a doctor to tell you. That witching hour, if there are any new moms listening, is hell on earth, but it does go away. I was that mom who slept with her children and my daughter slept with us till she was 12. <laughs> Whatever works for you. You know Whatever what? The doctors, you. they talk about co-sleeping and co-parenting and they tell you how to co-sleep, but they don't tell you how to get the kid out. Yeah. So getting my oldest out, my youngest went out on her own when she was about eight. We had a big, huge king bed and we all slept in it together when they were little. Um, and I know you're asking how you did the other stuff. Well, there were other rooms in the house. Exactly. So the, exactly. So she, the oldest one couldn't The utility do room. That's, you, honey, you make it where you, you know, fake it where you can make it. Whatever you got to do to make it work. <laughs> Kitchen, all the rooms that, you know, shouldn't be used and christened. Um, but then the oldest one, she just wouldn't go. She just wouldn't go. And then at one point she said, I want to try it. And she did it, but she was 12. This is what I say to my girlfriends now who are doing, uh, having children much younger than mine. Mine's 12 now. It's like, it all stops. Don't stress it. They leave, they, they go to their own beds when they're ready. And, and it, I... Unless it's an issue for you. And, and then you get them out of your bed. And that's okay too. Yeah, but that didn't work for us. I tried, we tried for like four years. Like it just didn't, it was on her time. And I know people listening might be like, well, you weren't being tough enough. No, I was. The issue for me, Kate, was that I woke up at three o'clock in the morning to do breakfast radio this whole time. So in America, uh. you get one week off to have a baby and I had two C-sections. <gasps> so each time you went I went back after a week, a week after a C-section back at work. I know. Yay, America. Anyway, You're supposed to be like rested for six weeks nope. here. No, not in America. So I had to go right back to work. So in order for me to nurse her, I had to basically roll over and shove it in yeah. because that was the only way I was going to get any sleep. And then he would take over, obviously not breastfeeding. Um, you know, the bottles were ready and everything yeah. when I had, when I had left for work. So because I started that way, that was the that was the way it was because otherwise I would get two hours sleep if I'm feeding every two to three hours. You've got two really seminal and important relationships in your your life, male relationships, one with your husband, David, and the other one with RuPaul. Mm -hmm. And they both spanned decades, which is extraordinary and a real credit. This speaks so highly of you. But I wondered across the years, what is what is it you've needed from those relationships and how have those needs changed as you've grown together? Hmm, Good question. So I have always been very independent. And as an adopted child, I think we are born with different mindsets, right? Um, I think, you know, all the years of therapy and, you know, it's a very American thing, but all the years of therapy. um, Great thing. I think it's a great thing. Our needs um, change. They grow. um, They take twists and turns. So for me, I've always been independent. So I've never leaned really on anybody. And that's a detriment. I think it's always Mm -hmm. good to have somebody to lean on. And I don't, you know, my daughter, my youngest daughter, Lola said to me, I have never seen you cry. And it's something I struggle with. I feel like Cameron Diaz in the holiday, but it's true. I'm just, <laughs> You're trying to squeeze one out. Yeah. yeah I'm just, yeah. <laughs> the, the weirdest things well me up, like um, things with animals and uh, 
uh, you know, like I remember watching my children like in a holiday performance at school where they're playing like a snowflake and that stuff makes me tear up, gets me very emotional. Um, you know, watching somebody reach their dreams on Ireland's Got Talent or X Factor, whatever it is, you know, yeah. that stuff, the Queens on Drag Race, that makes me well up. But yeah. oddly, I'm not, I'm just not a crier. My husband, we're watching Gavin and Stacey last night because my husband never seen it. He is crying at the wedding. You know what I mean? Um, so he, he's just very different. So, <laughs> and you're just sat there going, whoa. Yeah, I don't, I don't just, I don't do it. So it has to be a very, I love real... that you're making him watch Gavin and Stacey. That's brilliant. He found it on his own, believe it or not. He said, did you really? ever watch this? And I was like, yeah, have I ever watched this? I'm basically British darling. Um, and <laughs> Ruth Jones is a personal hero because I'm a huge nighty night and Julia Davis psycho fan. But anyway, um, for me, so for me, I never leaned on people, um, that way, but my husband has always been there for me because he knows when to back off. He knows when I need him. He knows if I need him, he'll be there. Like it's a pretty amazing relationship. He is the most incredible man I've ever met. He is, um, he doesn't take my poop. He is, um, he understands me. He supports me. He lets me be where I have to be. He's done everything for me, which is amazing. Um, he's a pretty special guy. So I only hope that my daughter, you know, finds both of my daughters find love like uh, he gives to us. So, so when when you first met David, you were really quite young. Both of you really young, and you seem to have kind of you connected at that time. But then, what blows my mind is how varied and colourful a life you've both lived. But it seems to have been in sync, and that's the challenge, right? Is is staying in tune with one another. I think you have to know that life will change. And I think you have to know that people will change. And sometimes that works, sometimes that doesn't, and that's okay. And I think people are too um, stuck on the lore of marriage is forever and you can't change and you have to stay together even though you don't love each other. And I think that that's a disservice to humanity and to yourself. And I think mm -hmm. we deserve better than that. But David and I have, listen, it's not all been Skittles and rainbows. You know, we've had our moments of, um, you know, difficulty and, and you just, you get through it if it's worth it to you. And if it's not worth it, which again is fine. Cause sometimes you sit back and you go, this isn't worth all of this. This isn't mm. worth the drama, the stress, the, you know, not sleeping. And sometimes it's just not worth it. And that's okay because you'd be better off alone or better off with somebody else, whatever the situation is. In our situation, we've been able to work through the tough times and uh, get through it. And there's been way more than one. And that's fine. Um, but we understand each other. He has to be okay with me being gone almost half a year, which is not easy. For people that are listening, there could be women that are listening saying, oh, God, I could never with my husband being gone six months out of the year. Um, and he struggles with me being gone a lot of the time. But somebody has to be here. You know, we have our kids. We have our animals. And he'll come once in a while. And then usually when I'm gone, it's over there in the UK. He loves yeah. it over there. And eventually we want to end up over there full time. But the girl, Yeah, it's my favorite place on earth. Um, wow, what is it you love about here? That's a big move, taking your whole a, life to the other side of the Atlantic. You know what, though? It's, for me, the first time I ever went over, I was 13 years old. And uh, I I don't know, like, I come from a family that didn't have a lot of money. They saved their whole, like, my, I remember my whole childhood, 
saving up for this big trip to England. And we went as a family for two weeks. It was like the Griswolds in European vacation because my dad rented a car. I remember him trying to get petrol and like bumping into the pump. And it was like, oh God, like my mother and him (laughs) fighting. It was a mess. But I got to go to places like Brighton and Dover and Wales and um, Edinburgh. And we stayed in bed and breakfasts everywhere. And I fell in love in Stratford-upon-the-Avon. And, you know, all these- Yes. At 13 years old, it was like the most amazing experience. And I think in a former life, whether you believe in that or not, I was, I was English and I was probably from the North. Um, and it's, it's just a connection. When I get off the plane at Heathrow, Stansted, Gatwick, wherever I am, I feel like I'm home. I feel like I'm accepted by the British people. I feel like the sense of humor is totally online with mine. I love the architecture. I love, I even love the weather. I do. I know my local, like I have a little flat in Northwest London and I love my local, you know, places to go, my local restaurants, my Deliveroo, where I go to the park, my gym. Like, it's just, I just love it there. It's home. And I can't like, when my kids come over and I bring them around, they're like, Lola loved it. Last time she came, she took the tube and met her friends um, that she had met at a summer program. And it was, she was on her own. I couldn't believe it. My husband loves pubs. So he loves to right? So- (laughs) It's just it's just for all of us. Um, I just got to wait for them to graduate from uni before we can do anything. So I know that they're on their own. But yeah, we'll probably end up there for sure. Well, we can't wait to have you. Oh, go on, Kate. So, so your relationship with David, you, you've kind of grown together. But for friends to grow together, especially friends that work together, that also has its own set of unique challenges, doesn't it? Mm. And you and Rapal have been friends for, God, how many years now? God, since 1980, I'd say 88, I've known him. We've worked together and been real friend friends since 96. Blimey. And your friends and collaborators. Yes. And just your friends, right? So quite often they say, don't work with friends, don't with children, don't work with animals. And you don't want to fall out with your friends. I've had great experiences, by the way, collaborating with friends. Um, so I don't subscribe to the fact that friends can't work together. Um, I think it, I think it's the most fun but it can go wrong. That's what I was just going to say. They can work together. It just, I don't always recommend it. I think it depends on the personality, right? Um, They always say not only don't work with children and animals, that's because they'll upstage you, but (laughs) also when it comes to living with somebody like a flatmate Um, that's when you really want to be careful with that too. Because I think the reason is you get to see other sides of them that you weren't privy to and that we maybe necessarily shouldn't know about. And that's probably why, because it'll change the way you see them. So for Rue and I, we started working together in morning radio, breakfast show presenting in New York City. Um, We knew each other from the nightclubs, um, but how it turns out is that I had a song on the Bodyguard soundtrack. Rue had a song called Supermodel, You Better Work. And we ran into each other um, at a music seminar. And I walked up to him and I said, I don't know if you remember me from the clubs. And he said, I'm going to curse for a minute. So I'm going to prepare your yes, listeners. No way. Yeah. But he yeah. said, bitch, I know who you are. He said, you are a motherfucking superstar. And it was the first time Kate, <laughs> anybody had told me that apart from my mom. So I was oh. like... I couldn't believe somebody in my demographic, you know, in my peer group thought that about me. So I, you know, of course was like, Oh my, Oh my, Oh my God, you get it. Um, And it was like, I felt validated 
especially by Rue, who was kind of like this nightclub staple and now this supermodel of the world. And it was a moment. And that was in 92. And then a few years passed again. And then we had an opportunity to audition at the same radio station. But here's the crazy part. It was unbeknownst to us. I didn't know they were auditioning him. He didn't know they were auditioning me. And they put us together for Fashion Week in New York City to audition. The number one market, radio market in the world is New York City. And they auditioned us for a week together. And that was it. They signed us and the rest is history. And then he brought me on as a sidekick on his talk show that was already going um, on VH1 in there. And that, and the rest is history. So we've been working together since 96. And I think the friendship has always grown because we love each other for who we are at our core. Mm. I may do things that he wouldn't do or, uh, you know, wouldn't think was the best idea and vice versa. But I love him for who he is because I know who he is and I will never let him fall. I will never be not be there for him because I love who he is, not what he is, not what he's done for me, not what he represents, but who he is. I love all of him. And and how do you think you two have grown together? What's what's kept you shoulder to shoulder, Pad? I think it's the understanding of who each other are. I think so many of us judge other people. Like, listen, especially through this Trump administration, I lost many friends, mostly because they couldn't have a conversation with me. So it was just like, I'm voting for him and that's the end. Okay, you can vote for him. That's your right. But let's talk about what you're supporting. I have a gay daughter. So you're you're right away voting against my daughter and her rights. So did you think about that? Have you thought about that? Have you thought about what Trump is doing to trans people? Um, trans people may not affect your life, but they affect my life. So let's yeah. have a conversation. So well, these and people also, didn't- People are people, right? You have to consider where your vote goes. As It's, it's, it's an act of politics. Well, you would think. It's an act of humanity, right? It's Correct. about supporting so people I'm- that share your moral compass. Yes. So I lost a lot of people over this election, again, mostly because they didn't want to talk and discuss. It was just their way or no way. So I think you grow as friends by listening to each other. I'm still friends with people who voted for him, but we understand each other. They listen to me. Um, you know, they, they understood what I was saying. They had no idea. Um, they wish they hadn't now if they knew. So it's all about conversation and understanding. And and I think that's what friendships are all about is you're mm-hmm. going to have misunderstandings or you're not going to agree with things that I do or say. And I'm not going to agree with things that you do say or believe in. But that doesn't mean that we can't come to an understanding of or discuss it and move on yeah. because we are adults at the end of the day. So I don't like... Yeah that you did that or said that, but let me tell you why. And they go, I'm so sorry um, that you feel that way. Um, This is why I did it. And you either are okay with that or not. And I think that's what a friendship is all about. So I think Rue and I never really had many, if any, disagreements or fallouts or misunderstandings. So I think we understand each other fully. I know, you know, why he does what he does because I know the real him and he knows why I do what I do because he knows the real me. And you like and respect what each other is. And you're not afraid to challenge one another with debate. And debate is a good thing. Debate isn't an argument. It's not, it's, it's, it can be a re- it should be a really healthy exchange. I love debating. I love it so much, but um, 
you need to have the information before you could debate. And otherwise it will turn into an argument because you'll just be yeah. defending and, and being defensive is not a conversation. That's just defending your point of view. So if you have the information, then you can have an actual um, debate. And I think friendship is about knowing everything about the other person. And I mean everything, warts and all, and still loving them. That's what yeah. friendship, real friendship is. That's unconditional love, right? And you talk about that moment where you met him and he told you that you were a superstar and you had that connection. In so many ways, those those moments, those little lightning bolt connections, is another affair that begins there because yeah. it's like, I found one of my people. Yeah. And you've traveled through life with him. He's he's really important to you. That's you know, great. you only get to, you, if you're lucky enough, you get to have that once or twice in a lifetime. So mm. I highly recommend holding on to it, even if it was a lover. And it just didn't work that way. But you are so close in other ways. Hold on to that person and let them yeah. be a staple in your life. It doesn't mean that because that love aspect, you know, that intimate love aspect is gone. Doesn't mean you can't have that intense love as a friend. How do the David and Rue get on? Because obviously they're really important to you. But what do they mean to each other? David and Rue get on really well. And I think it's because um, David is a real kind soul. He's just got the kindest, gentlest soul. He's a guy's guy, um, but he is, you know, he's a theater kid and he's, you know, he's in touch with all sides of him. And I think that Rue loves kindness. He loves uh, authenticity and he loves kindness. So Rue loves that. And Rue, of course, makes David laugh. He, David yeah. can just sit and watch him because Rue is so good at being Rue. He's got it down to a science. And and the Rue you see on, on the telly is is the Rue you get, you know, off camera. The only thing is Rue does so much more um, behind the scenes for people and for humanity than they'll ever know. And I'm not free to talk about it. But at the end of the day, he does so much more that people really even know. He's an amazing human being. you got two good guys in your corner. I'm very lucky. And I've got some good girls in my corner, too. My best friend yeah. over there in the U.K., uh, her name is Annie and she is my best friend, but she's also my manager over there. We just, we, we started out as friends and we were so close that it was one of those moments of like, should we work together? Yeah. You know another I mean? working friendship. That's yeah. Your, yeah. Keep your friends close. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. <laughs> One of the great traits that you've identified in all of the people that you have listed as important to you is kindness. Mm. And you've used the word bravery. And I wanted to know, because you you are A, a trailblazer, and B, you hang out with a lot of trailblazers. So clearly there is, your people are groundbreakers, opinion shapers. And I wanted to know, what kind of courage that takes and what you consider to have been your greatest act of courage? I, well, I mean, I've always been drawn to that. I've never been one for the ordinary and mundane. Again, not judging. People feel safe in that and that's fine. It's just not been my my ticket in life. I've never been a... Um, uh, daredevil, but I've definitely had to be a risk taker. Um, I do play by the rules. I know a lot of people think that I'd be a rule breaker. Um, I, I'm slightly a rule breaker, but not really. I like everybody to be happy. I like, you know, bosses to be happy, bosses to not feel like I'm unraveling, that that I'm solid and they can always count on me. I value that about myself. I like to be the one, oh, we can throw to Michelle here because she won't, she won't screw it up. She saw it. hands. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. But I always had to be a hustler because I come from nothing. So nobody was going to give it to me. You know, I often, when I walk down the streets in London, I go, why didn't my parents have the wherewithal to like invest in a little flat here or even in Brooklyn or even anywhere? Like why you see these kids, you know, not even rich kids, but like you know, I'm not talking about Chelsea, but I'm talking about people that have passed on houses in their family. And it's like, they don't have to pay rent. Like, why didn't my family think about doing that? I think I'm thinking about that for my kids. Um, but the point is I've always had to hustle. I've never had anything. And I mean, anything handed to me. So I always was attracted to the, uh, trailblazers and the rule breakers. And I figured, well, if I hang out with them, I can learn a thing or two because I'm not going to get anything handed to me. You know, even, even now I'm still fighting for my way on telly. It's, you know, I don't want to just be seen as one thing. I want to prove my worth. And as an actress, I'm trying to get into that side of it. I went to school for theater, so I can act, but people see me as a presenter. So I'm, I'm still, you know, I have to audition just like everybody else. And I think people mm -hmm. assume that things are given to me. No, I have to audition. I have to go to meetings just like everybody else. So I've always been attracted to those that don't walk the straight and narrow, the ones that party in the margins. Um, those were always my people, I, I think, yeah. because 
um, I'd never fit into the, to the ordinary or the normal or the cool people or the popular people. That was never my group. So I had to find a place where I felt like I fit in. And that's kind of where I kind of chill and relax in that group. What's been your greatest act of courage? I, I think I've shown a lot of courage in my life and my career. I think that, um, there's different kinds of courage, you know. Uh, I, I do sometimes operate from a place of fear. I am afraid to take risks sometimes, because Are I always, you? yeah. Let me tell you, I think um, sometimes of well, what if what if this happens or that happens? I'm a bit of a hypochondriac because when I let fear take over, that's that's exactly what happens. And when I don't listen to that fear, which Rude tells me all the time, and I operate from a place of love instead of fear. Um, everything happens, right? So I've been working more on letting fear go. And I think um, there's different kinds of courage, like having to say goodbye to my mother when nobody else was willing to say goodbye because they were hoping, but I knew reality. And I had to go up and whisper in her ear and say, I love you. And I don't know why I did it. Like, I don't know what pushed me, but I, she was, you know, laying there in the hospital and I whispered in her ear, I love you. I will take care of daddy. I will take care of David, my brother. Um, you can go. I don't want you in pain anymore. And it was kind of like the next day she went. And I don't know where I got the courage to do that. I think I saw everybody around me, like my mom's sister and my brother, kind of having this false hope when I saw clearly what was going on. And that was 23 years ago already. But um, that took courage. I also think um, one of the biggest, and these seem like um, materialistic, but like when I walked away from radio, which was my... The only, my, I'm the only one who works. My husband's been a stay-at-home dad, right? Thank God mm -hmm. he raised our children while I was out working. And um, radio paid my bills for 17 years, and I had to walk away. And I was coming to L.A. because Rue said to me, um, you need to be in L.A. You're a TV star. And I knew I wasn't making enough to feed my family early days on the TV show because it was a very small TV show when it began. Mm -hmm. So I had to walk away. Um and take a risk. And it was the biggest risk I took with my family at risk here, because without it, yeah. they, we have nothing. We had a teeny tiny bit of savings and that got me through the first year. And I have to tell you, that's when I started performing back in the gay bars and doing a lot of gay cruises. And, um, that's how I supplemented my rent, um, food for my family. And I am so eternally grateful to, those gay bars and the drag bars and places like that, which is why I'll always be indebted and will never leave this community because they've never left me. So I think courage comes in different forms. You've spoken a lot about eating disorders and I too was a teenage anorexic and bulimic. Yep. And when I made the decision to get better, that I think was one of my most courageous decisions because I didn't want to get better. I knew no. I had to, but I didn't know nobody sits with an eating disorder and says, do you know what? I'm going to eat because they're right. Just eat. All you know, right. that's sensible. <laughs> it's not, it's not, that is not it. No. It is a mental illness and you are in constant exhausting battle yeah. with the voices that are saying, don't eat. Also, you can't avoid food. There are things you could avoid and you have to actually seek out drugs, drink. I'm not little, you know, making that smaller because all, all addiction and mental illness is addiction and mental illness. But um, like in your, you, in your life, you can't avoid food. 
You cannot. So that's the struggle with it as well, because you know what to do. It does take courage to come back from an eating disorder. I've fallen over the years. It's been a while, but even yeah. after you know going away and coming out of hospital and, and dealing with it, it's a struggle. And then you know, I have two daughters and I, you know, I sit there watching sometimes their issues. Yeah. And I'm like, no, please God, no, I can't, this can't happen again. When I, you know, my weight has fluctuated every series of RuPaul's Drag Race um, due to a multitude of things. I have thyroid disease. I have something called Hashimoto. So I deal with that. When I yeah. eat, it goes on my body differently. And I believe my mm-hmm. Hashimoto's was, um, part caused by my eating disorder and part caused by my breast implants. But that's a topic for a different day. Um, Mm -hmm. But with that said, getting in front of the camera, especially doing my job, Kate, because Mm. our fans are rabid. I have been called the most disgusting names you've ever heard in your life. And if I were in the same mental state as I was when I was a teenager fighting with this um, disease, then I don't know if I would still be here talking to you today because the things Mm. that I have been called have been disgusting. And thank God I could rise above and realize that it doesn't matter because when I'm heavier, I am heavier. I can't hide it. It is what it is. Exactly. And this is my journey, not yours. Call me fat. I don't care. You're you're not wrong, but I'm not going to be shamed for. It. I'm not going to accept your shame. So then, when you know, I am I too am in perimenopause, and it's a cruel joke because I'm 52. You think I'd be out of it by now? <laughs> I'm not. And I just started the bioidentical hormone replacement therapy mm. because I could not deal with the the way that I I felt like I was on death's door. It's a cruel joke. That's how I know God is not a woman. Because no woman would put another woman through this shit, but it's hard (laughs) and you're not alone. So you have to come to terms with accepting your body, your aging body, because it's beautiful. It's not going to be what it was. I look at pictures. I'm going through my house right now and I'm looking through everything, trying to get rid of stuff and make Mm. everything look nice. Because as you saw on How's Your Head Hunt, it's not together. So I'm putting (laughs) pictures and I look at my 20, 22, 23 year old body, which was incredible. And I hate it back then. And I, I look at it, it. if I could just have it now, I promise you, I won't say a word. I'll shut up. But the reality is I've had two C-sections, one of which was a 10 pound baby girl. Um, wow. I know I was huge. My baby was huge and healthy. So God willing, there's extra weight in my belly and there's always going to be extra weight in my belly. I'm not going to have a tummy tuck and put myself at risk for what? I'm not posing for Playboy right. anytime soon. Most of the time, I can be really accepting and um, even loving of who I am. Good. And then there are just days. But I think I think perimenopause plays with your head because it, it until you get those bioidenticals right, you c- you can get yourself into a very negative headspace quite quickly. And yes. I, I'm, I'm quite good at talking myself out of it, but. You have to go there to come back from it sometimes. Perimenopause is a bitch. It's worse than the actual menopause. And nobody tells you, nobody warned me about it. Nobody. So it is horrendous. And the the women out there, we're not trying to scare you. We are here as your friends trying to prepare you because it it is a different journey for everybody, for sure. But for me, I didn't, I wasn't prepared for how horrible I was going to feel. And a mental, the mental part of it didn't really hit me more of the physical and some women, it's purely mental, but just know that there's a bit of each of it and you're not alone. 
There are resources. If you don't want to go the bioidentical route, there's vitamins, there's things you can do. You do not have to suffer in silence. Whatever. I mean, there is so much help out there now yeah. and it's great, but we can just sit here and chat about it yeah. and not feel like we're, we're breaking some sort of glass ceiling anymore. No. Um, because, you know, the two things you're guaranteed as a woman is death and the menopause. Right. That's it. <laughs> and you some know? women have it in their 30s. God bless mm. them. Cheers, my dear. <laughs> Cheers. Good to share. Cheers to the Perry. <laughs> my final question. Yes, my darling. And it's, I don't want it to sound like a negative because I think in every dip in life comes a really fantastic lesson. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, what the hell was it for? Amen. And I wanted to know, when did you last consider to have let yourself down? <laughs> See, I'm a Virgo and I am by nature mm, a perfectionist. And if it's less than perfect, um, it's going to let me down. So um, I struggle with, this is one, something that I struggle with. Um, the, I'll tell you what has helped though, over the years, um, auditioning, even if it's for theater, for whatever it is, as a kid, I started auditioning when I was 13 years old, right? For musicals and things like that. And when I was young, it would be, I couldn't let it go. It would be like something that I would harbor. And I, you know, my mother would say, maybe this isn't for you. You know, if you mm -hmm. can't handle the rejection, I was like, no, but why? Why didn't they want me? And I think that goes back to me not being wanted from birth because you've they yeah. have proven that you feel emotions in utero. So I was in a mother's body who wasn't going to keep me and who didn't want me. It's not that she didn't love me. It's that she couldn't have me. So I think all of that need for um, acceptance and love comes from not being wanted from birth. I know this is getting really deep. No, I think there's, I think it's fascinating. And I think it's really insightful of you to recognize that because you've ended up gravitating towards a community of people that need representing because they feel un misunderstood and not wanted Correct. in wider society. And I get why you would feel an affiliation there. Yeah. And, ident and identify because we all were not wanted, not all of us, mm -hmm. but um, maybe not accepted uh, at certain points mm -hmm. in our lives for, for, for who we are and our journey. So for me, um, I've let myself down <laughs> quite a bit. Now, I will say in the past five years or so, I have been working, ironically enough, specifically on making that not a thing in my life. I have to deal with letting myself down and saying, it's okay. It's all right. You know, whether you fall off um, uh, eating good, eating well for us, that yeah. means something, you know, we, if we're on a two month tear of eating clean, um, but eating and getting in the calories that we need, um, by the way, getting calories that I need is never a problem. Um, <laughs> Good. You know what I mean? Doing what we have to do to not let ourselves down. I think we are our worst critics. Not I think. I know that we are our worst critics. Even the people that are out there, um, you know, on the opposite side of what you believe, they're fighting for what they believe and trying not to let themselves down. So mm -hmm. I think we need to be a little kinder. And I'm saying this because I need to hear it. I think we need a little bit to be a little bit kinder in our lives to ourselves, especially you guys are in lockdown again. We, we basically are too, just not your country's doing it right. Ours isn't. Um, and we need to allow ourselves to make mistakes and to say, okay, well, that was yesterday. 
today is a different day and tomorrow is going to be a different day. So the last time I let my down myself down was probably yesterday, you know, I let myself down every day. I think the difference is how we deal with it. This is going to be stupid, but I'm so mad at myself and I couldn't let it go. I went, I went to a shop yesterday to buy something for a friend, a lovely candle that I know that she'll love. And I bought three of them, one for my husband's space, one for my space and one for her space. And I bought a scent specifically for her with a beautiful holder. I come home and I didn't look at the candle that was in the holder. And I lit her candle after I <gasps> stood in line for a half an hour because oh, it's no. socially distanced and they keep the line around yeah, the corner. Yeah, yeah. Bloody hell. I come in. I'm so excited. I show my husband. I put it downstairs. I light it. And I went, oh, I just lit her candle. Can I give it to her lit? He's like, no, you can't give it to her pre-lit. So I was so mad at myself all night. And it sounds so trivial and stupid. But that's those are the things that bother us, the little stuff. And those especially things, in 2020, it's the we're so heightened. I know, and we're so easily pissed off and so easily disappointed. I agree, and that's little. But the bigger stuff is usually with my kids. Like, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Did I let them down? The thing is, I do have a dialogue. Good. So, and I recommend parents doing that too, having an open dialogue with their children about their feelings as well. Because so many times we hide our feelings and just are concerned about our children's feelings. But like I would say to them, I'm sorry that I said that or I let you down. And then they could say, you did, or, um, but we can move past it. It's no big deal. Or you didn't. Why, why would you think you let me down? You know, it's that great open conversation where a lot of times we're beating ourselves up and our kids don't even give a shit. They're not even bothered. Yeah. So communication is everything. Try to be kinder to yourself. I try not to let myself too down down too much, but it definitely does happen. And that's just life. Well, so much of it is about how you frame it. Yes. You can put a magnifying glass over something or you could just stand back and look at the bigger picture. Yes. It's just being kinder to yourself. I think that word, the word of this podcast is kindness because there's not enough of it. And uh, mm. especially to ourselves, it's so funny how we can be so kind to others. And then when it comes to ourselves, so self-abusive and um, I know. deprecating and just not laughing I it off. I don't think we value the word highly enough as well. It's Kind is like nice. They feel really meh, bland, vanilla words. And actually, they're really important. I agree. You know, you know, sometimes you say, I'll just be kind. You know, it's a bit throwaway. But actually, when somebody truly extends an act of kindness, it can move your mind and your heart in the most remarkable ways. I love kind people. I love nice people. Mm. I love people with an edge. But all of those people with an edge at the core and in their heart are kind, loving, gentle people. I look tough on the outside. I present this tough. Casting people are like, well, she's just a badass. It's like, no, I'm actually really the softest person you've ever met. I just want the best for people. I want the best for everybody out there. If people come to me and say, how can I be the best me? It might hurt when I tell you, but I promise you, you can be the best you if you you kind of tap into yourself and let yourself do it. Thank you so much for, for getting out of bed this morning and for just being nice and kind and fabulous and phenomenal. Um, it's been a joy. Thank you, Michelle. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate you and everything that you do. I appreciate your fringe. I appreciate your kindness. You, oh, you're back on air with Drag Race, uh, January 14th. I cannot wait. I know. I cannot wait. We've got January 1st here in the States and January 14th in the UK. So the new oh. UK girls are going to blow you away. Bring it. We have missed 
so much of your fabulous glamour in lockdown. Oh. It's time to throw off the tracksuits. Yeah. And I'm standing here today shimmying at you I in, in little sequined. Yeah. It's time to get the glitter back. Come yeah. on. Amen, sweetheart. I agree. Amen. That's it from us for this week. I hope, if nothing else, we've given you a reason to smile, created some kind of uh, conversation and comfort in these strange and worrying times. Uh, We'll be back next week with much more of the same Fear Not. Big thanks from me, Kate Thornton, and uh, my producer at Yahoo UK, Michael Bartlomovich, and our co-producer and editor, Callum Goddard-Mucklow. As always, our music is by Andy Bell. He's doing some great stuff in lockdown. Follow him on Instagram. Uh, He's Andy Bebop, or check out his back catalogue with Oasis Ride and his solo material at iTunes and Spotify. I'll see you next week. Until then, from me to you, a big virtual hug, my friends. And I would say do as we do and drink responsibly. But A, we didn't drink. And B, right now, there's too many rules to play by. Do what you like as long as you play safe. If you've been affected by any of the issues raised in today's episode, then please do contact MIND. They're an amazing charity that supports the mental health of people all around the country. You can call them on 0300-123-3393 or email info at mind.org.uk. Thank you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.